Welcome back to Sideline Exposure. I am your host, Mitchell Crossan, and this is Exposure 117. So we are working our way through the offseason. We are not quite yet into Season 2. We have a plan in place when we'll make that transition. Once we hit Season 2 in about almost another two months or so, we're going to really be looking ahead at the 2022 season, and we have some big-time matchups going on in the first couple of weeks that we are excited to cover. But in the meantime, we are continuing with these exposure pods, and this week we are diving into the Clemson Tigers. No doubt about it, even though Clemson had a disappointing year last year, they are still considered to be one of the top programs in college football. They have a streak of 11 consecutive 10-win seasons, which ranks second in active streaks, only behind Alabama. And if you were to have a tier ranking system of college football programs obviously Alabama is in the top tier they are by themselves in the second tier just below Bama now you get into probably Oklahoma Ohio State and Clemson programs like that and that's what we're talking about with Clemson because not only have they won multiple national championships this last year but it kind of felt like for a while they had maybe a mini rivalry with Alabama because the Crimson Tide and the Tigers do have a history of meeting each other in the national championship, or at least they did in three out of four years. Let's start with that first year, 2015, only the second year that the college football playoff has been in existence, and this was Clemson's first birth into the playoff. They had a sophomore quarterback, Deshaun Watson, and they finished the regular season undefeated and had the number one ranking in the college football playoff going into the semifinal game. They took care of Oklahoma, And then they went on to meet Alabama in the championship game, who was the second-ranked team. Alabama did win that game in a shootout, 45-40. And even though Deshaun Watson was only a sophomore that year, he had definitely flashed onto the scene, hence having the number one ranking with Clemson. But he proved his worth yet again in the national championship game as being one of college football's most elite quarterbacks He had a pretty good stat line, completed 30 of 47 passes for 405 yards, four touchdowns, and one pick. And Deshaun really had to work pretty hard for this. He was Clemson's only offensive weapon in this game. And I remember watching this game, and it felt like Deshaun had to do everything to keep up with Alabama. The starting running back only carried the ball 14 times for 45 yards. And for you math nerds, that's only averaging 3.2 yards per rush. That's not going to cut it. Sticking with this 2015 championship game, let's compare this to the flip side with Alabama quarterback Jake Coker completing 16 of 25 passes for 335 yards and two touchdowns. He and Alabama also had Derrick Henry running the ball 36 times for 158 yards, averaging a solid 4.4 yards per carry. So yeah, it definitely kind of helps having a monster running back in your backfield. Now when we look at the next year in 2016, Clemson returns to the college football playoff title game against Alabama again, but with vengeance and just looking for revenge. They smash Ohio State along the way, shutting them out 31-0, and then the Tigers go on to defeat Alabama in a classic championship game, 35-31, with Deshaun Watson throwing the winning touchdown pass with just a few seconds remaining. Now in 2017, This is the year that Clemson did not advance to the national championship game, but they did make it back to the playoff 
even with Deshaun Watson's departure to the NFL draft after the 2016 season. Clemson was actually the number one seed, and this was with a new quarterback, Kelly Bryant, but they fell to Alabama in the semifinal game, 24-6. And with all due respect, Kelly Bryant just wasn't as dominant or wasn't as much as a playmaker on offense as Deshaun Watson was or Trevor Lawrence. Trevor, who then went on to take over the starting job during the 2018 season as a true freshman. And speaking of 2018, Clemson made it back to the college football playoff and was ranked second in those rankings heading into the semifinal, where they dominated Notre Dame 30-3. So Clemson advances yet again to the national championship game and plays Alabama for the third time in four years. Clemson wins their second national championship in three years, defeating Alabama yet again. And they were the first program to finish 15-0 in the modern era. Most people get this stat confused with LSU, who went on to win it all the very next year, and they also went 15-0. But Clemson was actually the first program to do it in 2018. And people forget how good this Clemson team really was. They smashed Alabama in the championship game, defeating them 44-16. I know that Trevor Lawrence was only a freshman, but he came in, took over that program, and gave that 2018 team the fresh start that they needed to go on and win that national championship. With all due respect to Kelly Bryant, he just wasn't going to bring home that ring for you. So naturally, at this point, when you win multiple championships in a span of only a couple years, people are going to start debating, hey, is this the next dynasty in college football? And I think a small part of people felt like Clemson kind of felt invincible at this point. They just won their second national title in three years. They dominated the king of college football with a true freshman quarterback en route to that second championship. But as we know, they have not yet won another championship because they lost to LSU in that game that very next year. And LSU is an all-time great team. I feel like most people probably think they could be. If not, they are the greatest college football team ever. It sure seems like it. It sure seems like LSU is destined to win that year. Joe Burr was destined to win the Heisman Trophy. That was LSU's year. But Clemson just kind of ran into a team in LSU that was just going to get the job done no matter what. So then that brings us to the 2020 COVID season. Clemson is back in the college football playoff, and they face off with Ohio State again. This is an Ohio State team that lost that classic game just one year ago and the semifinal in Ohio State was just ready to play, outplayed, out-schemed, and just, I'm not going to say wanted it more because Clemson, I'm sure, wanted to win just as much as Ohio State, but Ohio State was playing for something bigger, and Clemson fell, and you sometimes you just get beat by a good team, and that's what happened there. So 2018, they win it all. 2019, they run into maybe the greatest college football team of all time, and in 2020, you just tip your hat because you just lost a game to another really good program. And now that brings us to present day, the 2021 season. It was very disappointing for Clemson and their fans and coaches and for everybody involved. But before we get into that too much, I do want to spend some time talking about Dabo Sweeney. Because it's funny enough, with all these playoff games against Alabama, Dabo actually has a connection to Alabama himself. He played for Alabama as a walk-on wide receiver from 1990 to 1992. And he served as the graduate assistant at Alabama and eventually became the wide receivers coach in 1995 after receiving his MBA. But he was fired along with the rest of that coaching staff 
in early 2001. Now, here's something you may not know about Dabo, but from April 2001, after he was fired through February 2003, Dabo was not just another coach somewhere, wasn't a GA somewhere. He actually worked for AIG Baker Real Estate on development projects in Alabama. His former strength coach at Alabama, Rich Wingo, had become president of AIG Baker Real Estate and offered Dabo the job. Who knew that Dabo was working his way towards a career change? Not really, but at this point in time, it's kind of funny that Dabo worked on real estate development projects for nearly two years. Not that he was looking for other coaching opportunities or that he wasn't, but it's just an interesting development in Dabo's professional career. But in 2003, Dabo was offered the wide receiver coaching job at Clemson, and that's how he got integrated into that program. And along with this job came the recruiting coordinator title, and Dabo proved his worth as not only a coach on the field, but recruiting off the field as well. And this is where Dabo really started to gain his momentum as a coach. And now it feels like a lot of coaches, as they work their way up throughout the ranks, have a point in time where it's not necessarily a breakout for them, but it's more of just something clicks and falls into place. And I think this is at that point with Dabo, Clemson had some receivers at the top of the ACC, and then Rivals.com actually named Dabo one of the nation's top recruiters in 2007. So now he's picked up and he's gained momentum and is making a name for himself as a coach. So now we're into the 2008 season, which really changed everything for Dabo. He stepped in and was named the interim head coach after their current head coach, or previous head coach, I should say, stepped down, resigned six games into the season. Clemson was obviously looking internally as you do when you need someone to take over in the middle of the year, but they looked at their DC, Vic Coning and associate head coach, Brad Scott, both Vic and Brad had been previous head coaches, Vic at Wyoming and Brad at South Carolina. So that clearly makes them stand out, whether you think good or bad between those two and Dabo, but the biggest difference, and this is something that the athletic department really liked with Dabo is that his ability to recruit at a high level couldn't be missed. And while both Vic and Brad have been previous head coaches, they would be quote-unquote safe hires, but they are no longer head coaches for a reason. And I'm not saying that they were awful head coaches or that they were bad at their job, but if you were a head coach and now you are no longer a head coach, it says something about you. It doesn't necessarily mean that you were bad. It just means that clearly it wasn't successful enough for the program to want to keep you for a very long time. So this was a good move by Clemson, obviously, to be able to recognize these things and think, hey, Dabo's an up-and-coming coach. We can go with these guys who've been coaches before, but we like what Dabo's doing. He's new blood. Maybe he brings a new philosophy, and he's a great recruiter. All important things. And part of the new things that Dabo introduced to Clemson was the Tiger Walk, where all players and coaches walked through the parking lot outside Memorial Stadium a couple hours before kickoff. Dabo was able to keep Clemson on course and led them to become bowl eligible at the end of the 2008 season. And then on December 1st, 08, Dabo was officially named the next head coach at Clemson. So some coaches become great offensive minds, some more on the defensive side, but it doesn't really feel one or the other is the case for Dabo. It really feels like his thing was he was a pretty darn good recruiter. 
Dabble and Clemson pulled in five top 20 recruiting classes, including a top 10 class in 2011 and 2012. And Clemson was only one of 10 schools to be ranked in the top 20 recruiting five years in a row, along with LSU, Alabama, Texas, USC, Florida, Georgia, Florida State, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. So pretty good company, especially at that time. The 2011 season, in terms of product on the field, was really a breakout year for Clemson as they won the ACC championship for the first time since 1991 with a 10-win season. 2012 was even better, winning 11 games in any of the season with a win over LSU in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. And then now we're at the point where as the years come on, we start working our way towards the Deshaun Watson era in national championships and Trevor Lawrence, etc. as we talked about earlier. Dubbo is an elite coach and Look, he's only one of what's him and Nick Saban have multiple national championships in terms of current head coaches. You look at guys like Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day, bright, younger minds in college football, guys who have these great offensive systems, who run good programs, but they just haven't won it yet. Dabo, even though his team performed under expectations last year, is still an elite head coach and has multiple national championships to show for. So now for the 2021 season results. And we know Clemson underperformed, but they did still win 10 games. They went 10-3. and three. I think the biggest thing was losing two games in conference. The first loss came to NC State in OT, and that second in-conference loss came to Pitt. Their first loss of the year was actually the opening game against Georgia. They only lost 10-3, to three, and with a thank you to a Georgia pick six, which was the only touchdown scored in that game. It's a testament to Clemson's defense. I think people kind of forgot how dominant that defense was. I'm not saying it was as dominant as Georgia's defense. Georgia's defense was very, very elite last year. But Clemson Clemson still has some guys at linebacker. They have some guys in the D-line. They can make it very hard for the opposing offenses to work. But outside of those three losses, I'm looking at the result of a couple other games in towards the middle of the season and these next what is this five games they could have easily lost each game here so georgia tech clemson won 14 to 8 boston college clemson won 19 to 13 syracuse clemson won 17 14 florida state who is a really down program right now clemson won but only by 10 and then louisville clemson won 30 to 24 and then they finally started to get their feet underneath them. They then blew out UConn 44-7. They worked over Wake Forest 48-27. And then they shut out South Carolina 30-0. And then they finished it off with a win over Iowa State in the Cheese Bowl 20-13. So they did make improvements along the way. It was still underperforming. But when you're looking at these three losses and then you're looking at those five games and those results we just read off, God, it felt like Clemson could go 8-4 and four or something in the regular season. Now, again, they put it together at the end, and it's not that bad. I mean, you look at Ohio State, they had a down year as well, but they only went 11-2. and two. It's better, but really not by much. And these five games against Georgia Tech, Boston College, Syracuse, Florida State, and Louisville, while we can talk about how close they were and how Clemson could have lost these games, at the end of the day, we can only play the what-if game so much because, well, what if they lost here? What if they lost here? Well, they didn't lose. They found a way to win, and that's really the most important thing. 
for the majority of the season, watching Clemson play was especially concerning. And a lot of this came from their starting quarterback. And I know I'm going to butcher his name, but DJ Uyunglele. Now, he's he has the intangibles. He has the size and the stature. He's 6'4", I think 240, 250. He was a five-star quarterback in the class of 2020, and he was the number one ranked pro-style quarterback in that class. He has an absolute cannon for an arm, and rumor has it he can throw the ball 80-plus yards throughout the year. People say he's a good guy, he's a good leader, but he really, really struggled with his accuracy last year, and he was inconsistent at best throughout the whole season. This is really what plagued Clemson last year. And we found a couple stats here from Sports Illustrated. But DJ completed only 55% of his passes for just over 2,200 yards with nine touchdowns and 10 picks. So not too much to unpack here. It's pretty straightforward. But if you have a quarterback that is completing less than 60% of his passes, that's bad. You really got to be above that 60% threshold throwing for 2,000 yards. I mean, it, it's not 2011 anymore. Everybody's throwing the ball now. Teams are throwing the ball it's a pass-heavy spread offense league. That's what college football is right now. But the biggest thing, the nine passing touchdowns and 10 picks, that touchdown-to-interception ratio is something that people always look at. And the fact that he had more interceptions than passing touchdowns is a problem. And by some metrics, he was the worst quarterback in the ACC. Yet, you take all of that into account, and Clemson still won 10 games. And... Is it possible that we are looking at a quarterback competition this offseason between DJ and freshman quarterback Cade Klubnik, I believe? I mean, yes, definitely. It's possible. But you have to look at this as if you are Clemson. Now, Dabo is on record saying that DJ is the definite starter heading into the 2022 season. It's still in the offseason. We still have a couple months to go. But you can't doubt that in the back of their minds. I mean, they're not dumb. Dabo isn't a dumb coach. DJ is kind of on thin ice a little bit. And to be honest, Dabo probably feels like, you know what? Hey, we've invested so much time into DJ that we feel he is really close to getting over the hump or having a breakout year. Now, unfortunately for DJ, the spring game performance was really not a good look at all. He completed 47% of his passes and threw a pick. But again, it's a spring game. You don't want to overreact to a spring game performance. But when you have your returning five-star quarterback playing for one of the top programs in the country, he is continuing to struggle. You have to at least start thinking about, okay, what are our other options? And in the spring game, you're not looking to be completely wowed by someone, but you're looking for nuggets. You're looking for plays or passes that make you go, yep, this is the guy. Or even in DJ's case, you're looking for has he improved on this? Has he gotten better at this? And I just don't think he's quite there yet. Now, I'm not a huge Clemson guy. I haven't watched a ton of film, but I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if it's a coaching thing or if DJ just isn't panning out. Now, it'd be it's, it, would, it would be surprising if he didn't pan out because when Trevor Lawrence was out or he got COVID or whatever happened during the 2020 COVID season, DJ stepped in and played against Notre Dame on the road. And I think he threw, he threw for something like 400 yards or more in that game. And it felt like, yep, he's the next heir to the throne. 
Clemson is going to continue on this trajectory of being a really good program because they have really good quarterback play. And then he just fell off a cliff in the 2021 season, and it was just so odd to not only see Clemson underperform like that, but just to see DJ, he just looked so rattled. So this is something that Clemson has got to get fixed. And to speak on the whole quarterback competition, potentially not really thing, we have a quote from Dabo here where he says, speaking on DJ, he's had a great spring and has not done anything to not be the starter. I'm proud of DJ. We're missing a lot of pieces, but he did what he needed to do to give himself some momentum going into the summer from a totality standpoint. But Cade, the backup, or the second option at quarterback, is a really talented player. We got two guys I think can win at a high level, just like Trevor and DJ coming out of spring a couple years ago. I've seen enough of both of those guys to know that. It's a good situation, end quote. I mean, quotes like these or interviews like these, it's all open and this isn't just football it's basketball football sports in general what what do you think Dabo is gonna say he's gonna say yeah no DJ sucked he wasn't good enough we got another guy coming in a freshman we think that can actually get the job done we're not gonna abandon DJ right now but we know in the back of our head if DJ's not getting the job done we're going with the other guy he's not necessarily gonna say that right now now if DJ underperforms and if it gets to the point where it's so bad and it's happening again Maybe Dabo loses his patience a little bit, and then maybe we see that side of things. But in totality, Clemson's offense really struggled. And if you look at their total points per game, only 26.3. That's not good enough. Now, they have a defense that could get them stops, which is the main reason why they did go on to win 10 games. But overall, not good enough on offense in 2021. On the flip side... Defensively, and per the NCAA website, Clemson finished 8th nationally in total defense, giving up less than 4,000 yards the entire season, only allowing 18 offensive touchdowns at 305 yards per game. So thank God for defense if you're a Clemson fan because you really needed them to step up while the offense was just trying to figure out how to throw a football last year. Now defensively, we have to look at the fact that they did lose their longtime defensive coordinator Brent Venables. I think he spent 10 years there, or close to 10 years. Brent, you knew, was going to be a head coach at some point, but he was waiting around for the right head coaching position and found that with Oklahoma. Once Lincoln Riley left, I feel like my first thought once I came back to Oklahoma is that, oh, dang, they're going to get Brent Venables. Because this whole time, you're thinking like, ah, is he going to take the Auburn job? No, is he going to take that job? No, it's not big enough. He was waiting for that big fish and got it with the Sooners. So now the new D.C., Wes Goodwin, he's been on staff for a little bit. He was a G.A. previously, and he has a little, little bit of a NFL background serving as an assistant to Arizona before rejoining Clemson staff in 2018 as a senior defensive assistant. And this is what Clemson does. They like to promote from within. Dabo was promoted from within, and this is kind of his system, and they feel like they have a good one here with Wes Goodwin. So now recruiting-wise and future of the program, Clemson finished with the 15th ranked class in 2022 per 24-7 sports. Definitely a little bit of a letdown, especially being that the year before in 2021, they finished fifth nationally. And then now if we jump ahead and look ahead to 2023, they're currently ranked 35th, which is a little low, but don't freak out too much. There's still time. I mean, I think Northwestern was ranked pretty high, like something in the top 10. So just take it into consideration. There's still time. They'll get their feet underneath them. A little bit more I at the time where we are recording this in June 
they just had a big recruiting weekend. And so 35 is a little low, and you ideally want to be higher than that, but they have time to pull in a better class. But in terms of future of the program, first and foremost, figure out the quarterback thing, whether it is DJ, whether it's not DJ. My gut's telling me it's not DJ. Does DJ start the season as a starting quarterback? Right now, I would say yes. Can that change in the next month or so, month or two? I think it can, but my gut's telling me DJ starts the season as a starting quarterback, but I don't think he finishes this season as Clemson's starting quarterback. So Dabo's got to figure it out. I mean, it's not going to be easy. They were rolling so much, and they were... No, I'm not going to say the king of college football because that's still Alabama, but you defeated Alabama multiple times. You have multiple national championships. You were nipping on their heels to take that crown of being the king, and then now you kind of dip a little bit, and so we'll see if we can dig themselves out of that dip. I wonder what Clemson fans truly feel and think about Dabo, especially at this point after the letdown 2021 season. I know he's a good recruiter. He brought in national championships, so you can only if you if you dislike him, you can only dislike him so much. But I know as a Buckeye fan myself, I mean I'm not a huge Clemson fan. I'm not a huge Dabo Sweeney fan. I do remember in the 2020 COVID season when going into the semifinal matchup with Clemson and Ohio State in the coaches poll, Dabo ranked Ohio State 11th. He actually ranked Coastal Carolina. 10th so he had coastal carolina ranked ahead of ohio state and he goes on to say something about well you know we we played 11 games in the, in the sec and the acc or whatever and talked about how since the big 10 had originally canceled their season came back and said no we'll play had a shortened season then ohio state had some COVID issues they only played a handful of regular season games i think they played five including the cancellations and then had the big 10 championship on top of that double was like yeah no you didn't play enough games I'm going to rank Coastal Carolina and Iowa State and Cincinnati and Texas A&M ahead of you. That That's kind of a weasel thing to do. So when I think of Dabo Sweeney, I think of a weasel. And then, I mean, Ohio State plays well when they are the underdog. And you just added fuel to the fire at that point. And that game was over by halftime. So since that game, Clemson's kind of dipped a little bit. It's not their fault that Trevor Lawrence left. I mean, he was too good. He was going to leave early for the NFL. DJ just hasn't panned out, and I just wonder what Clemson fans think about Dabo at this point. Okay, well, that does conclude this week's episode of Sideline Exposure. You can follow us on our social medias at Sideline Exposure on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Sideline Expose. Drop in rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Those are always appreciated. Thank you for listening, and as always, go Bucks.